Hey guys, and welcome back to the Nap DC podcast, now known as the Hyphenated Arabs podcast. So we're playing a artist formerly known as Prince situation going on here, and um, we're going with Hyphenated Arabs. So we thought it was a really strong statement. Hyphenated Arabs, what does it entail? Who are these people? What are their stories? This is what we want to dig up. And um, we love that you guys are listening. Thank you so much. We wanted to thank you for your support and for tuning in and giving us your feedback. Amar and I have been kind of going back and forth in terms of what the idea, essentially what we want the podcast to become. And we wanted to highlight different, you know, people of Arab origins with different interests who excel in these different fields. We're all a, we're a diverse community. We excel in tech. We excel in, you know, as musicians, as business owners, there's such a diverse, you know, we're such a diverse community. And we wanted to highlight that essentially. And we thought just calling it the nap DC podcast was just, it was falling flat a little bit. So one of the, one of our fellow board members came up with the idea of hyphenated Arabs because at the end of the day, we're all Arab something, or the people we want to interview are Arab American, Arab Australian. You know, we have these two identities and we're kind of merging them together, our Arab ethnicity as well as our nationality. So we thought it was kind of a cool topic and we wanted to bring that forward. And we hope you guys have been enjoying these past few episodes and any and all feedback is welcome. This is a community podcast. This is for all of us. We're all involved here. Um, and we want you to be a part of it too. So with that being said, we are also opening up a opportunity for anyone who would like to advertise on our, um, intros. So essentially if you have an event that you'd like to promote or a business, you can use the podcast as a platform for that sort of thing, almost like our Facebook page, um, or Twitter page, but in a more verbal format. (laughs) So if you, if that's something you're interested in, please feel free to message us on Facebook or Twitter. We're always kind of roaming around, so feel free to flag us down if that's something you'd like to do. But now coming to the main event. So we were, I like to say, hashtag blessed. We were hashtag blessed. And uh, Nimmer, who's a very well-known, very, such a cool guy, a great comedian, um, we reached out to him to um, possibly join us on this little forum we have, the Hyphenated Arabs Forum, the podcast. And he agreed. So we have Nimmer on the show this month. And we're super stoked about it. We're really stoked. We're, it was a, such a fun conversation. We were laughing the entire time. He's such a cool dude. He was great to talk to, very easy to work with, very humble. We loved it. And we know you guys are going to love it too. So if you want to go to Nimmer's show, he's touring all throughout the United States and I believe overseas as well. Um, please go to nimmercomedy.com and it's N-E-M-R. And you can watch the hilarity ensue, okay? I saw the show when he was in D.C. We were rolling on the floor. It was amazing. So you guys are going to love it. We hope you enjoy this episode of Hyphenated Arabs. And we will catch you all on the flip side, hopefully next month. And take care and have a happy May. Okay. You are now live. I'm now live. From the studios. Yes, from the studios. At Topaz Hotel. Topaz Hotel. Here in Washington. So... Welcome back, everybody, to the Nap DC podcast, now known as the Hyphenated Arabs podcast, where we interview local Arab Americans, people coming into town, and just all around cool people um, and beyond. So, our guest today is a Lebanese American stand up comic who performs regularly in the United States, Europe, and the Middle East. Last year, he premiered his brand new hour comedy special on Showtime called No Bombing in Beirut, where he filmed in both Beirut and Los Angeles. It's awesome. Check it out. 
He has written and performed seven full feature shows, and he has released two feature specials, including Epic in 2014 and Victorious Secret Pause for in, tw- in 2016. <laughs> 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 and he has his own primetime TV show on the LBC, Lebanese Broadcasting Corporation. In May 2014, he was featured on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, Middle East. He is currently on his stand-up tour, Love Isn't the Answer. Nimmer, welcome Thank to the you. show. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, it's funny, the Victoria's Secret thing, when that show came out, so obviously it's a play on words. Right, of course. And I had a tagline. It said, every victory has a secret. Victoria's Secret. That so, is beautiful. So that will make it, you know, in case you were like, what does he mean, Victoria's Secret? And then you hear every victory has a secret. It's supposed to lead you on. Yeah. And right. Arab media do zero research. <laughs> so I had a, an interview on a TV channel and she's yeah. like, so why, you know, in Arabic, yeah. but I'll say it in English for sure. anybody. Like, why did you call it Victoria's Secret? Are they sponsoring? <laughs> and I and I went on a whole story about how I used to date Giselle Bunchen oh and it didn't work out. Oh. And then, um, and they were taking callers and, I love Arabs for this. They called in and were like, tell her about the time, you, you know, you and Seal fought and tell her about the, like they, oh my they God. were like going in on the joke <laughs> and this woman was like, oh my God, like tell me more. And we just went on for an hour making up oh no. everything. And then at the very end of the show, I was like, by the way, the show isn't Victoria's Secret. It's Victorious, like victory yeah. and secret. She's like, oh, so she had like. <laughs> so she's like, oh, so, but so, but uh, no, so, but they're still sponsoring. I'm like, no, nobody's sponsoring. Everything we yeah, said was a lie. This is all everything we've done for the past hour. We just made up, and I want to thank all the callers. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? Oh my god, that I'm like, because you're supposed to do your research. <laughs> the name of the freaking show. I'm not asking for too much here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> that was fun though. I love, I love the fact that people called in and pushed it further. Oh I was done god. like within a minute with the joke and people were like tell her about the time that the seal bought the helicopter and you were like no and you pushed it and I was like all right (laughs) we came into improv comedy show I love it well speaking of the names for shows so your current comedy tour is Mm -hmm. called love isn't the answer which I think is an interesting title it is it is because it strikes everybody it does strike people because love normally is the answer what we think of we would Mm -hmm. like it to be we'd like it to be yes so why isn't love the answer nimmer I in the, sh- in the I mean you have to see the show no, I but I know no, no no I can actually explain it in one sentence I can explain what people would expect to walk away first of all love isn't the answer and I, I actually genuinely believe that but um, a good way to put it together is we have this weird relationship with love like it's the one all solution to everything right and I use this as an example I say if two people are in love and people don't want them to be together they usually fight to stay together but they don't fight to stay together because they love each other. They fight to stay together because they hate being apart. Oh. Mm. So it's in that little kind of that just the fact that you're starting to look at it differently pretty much starts to uncover. If you take a critical look, I mean, it, the thing is, when people say things with the word love, we seem to accept them immediately as truth. I think right. Disney movies in the 90s for that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because it's a, but it is. But you know what? It's a nice concept if it was like love could actually solve things. Mm-hmm. But love in its inherent nature is complacency. When you, when you fall in love, I don't know if you've either of you have ever been in love. Yes, yeah. I currently am. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> and and when you feel love, when you are in love yeah. or you feel love towards something, you right. never want that to change. Right. You want it to last forever. When you feel hate, you want it to change. That's the difference between love and hate. If you have a problem, answering it with complacency isn't going to change anything. Sure. So if you take the word love and replace it with complacency, you bring in the word hate and you can replace it with action, that's when you start to see the truth there. 
So basically, the thesis of the show really is that if you come up against a great hate, the only thing better than it is a better and more disciplined hate. Interesting. Hmm. And that, that is the truth right there. But I obviously do it in a, fu- I demonstrate it in a much funnier <laughs> yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. But I like to hear the serious side behind it. because The, the serious side behind it does come through perfectly course, in the show, yeah. but it's peppered with constant jokes because I have a, my philosophy in life is if you want people to listen to you, entertain them, mm. right? And then get your message across at the same time without, and it's not like message, here's a joke, message, here's a joke. It's not like I'm, I call it family guy formatting. If, right. Have you seen the, the show Family Guy? Oh my God, yeah. So, so Family Guy is a show where they cut away to a joke. Yeah. There's a story and the jokes don't really have much to do with the story. So they'll be doing a story and let's say Stevie's going to some place and then he's on point B. He's like, like the time that we were doing this, then they cut to a sequence yeah. where something funny happens then they cut back to the story. Right. I'm more like South Park. South Park, the joke's are in the story. Right. So there or the Simpsons. It's all there are no cutaways. I got you. So it's not like I'm I'm doing the message and then I break and then jump to a joke, then come back and then break and then jump to a joke. No. Yeah. The message and the jokes come together and they're layered on top of each other through stories of, of places that have come up against these things. Yeah. Is it hard to merge those two things? Because a lot of people It's not hard, it's yeah. just it, it's the challenge. It's the challenge, right? It isn't difficult, but that is the uh, the challenge is to make it like that. Because you don't want people to feel like they're getting lectured to. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a tough line to walk in comedy I think do you feel like people come away from the shows kind of like, that was funny oh I also am thinking about love yeah I mean I want to yeah. talk I'll talk about this something happened yesterday that hadn't happened yet this Syrian woman came up to me after the show oh, wow. and she was crying oh. and she said I haven't laughed in seven years you know they yeah. had left Syria with everything going on she's yeah. like watching the show made me feel like everything we went through was worth it that's amazing wow. and she was crying and her daughter was like please stop crying like you're embarrassed I was like no and I, it was it that's really moved though. me I've never had that happen yeah but but equally what makes me happy is the Americans that come up to me after the show and say we never thought that a show from a Lebanese comedian would tell us more about ourselves than we ever thought because what, what what what's interesting about it is for Arabs what I talk about is great because they can relate to it yeah. For Americans, what I talk about is great because they can't relate to it. Mm. That's the point. They can't relate to it in their terms, but they can relate to it as the lessons learned. So when I'm talking about a civil war going on and how we overcame those challenges, it's actually the exact same thing that's happening right now in America with people coming up against their challenges. But instead of using the word Trump, I use the word Muslim instead of using the word not exactly right. but like if I'm talking about you'll see in the show when you see the show I have stories about me being Christian and, and getting right. into a friendship with a Muslim kid and how it was difficult at the beginning right after the Civil War sure. and how I overcame it Americans love that story mm. right. they love it they don't realize that while they're listening it that you could replace the Muslim and the Christian with black and white yeah. with Hillary and Donald with Democrat and Republican yeah. and how the power of coming together and having to face all obstacles changes things. Yeah. That's the trick. Right. So Americans get moved by the show because they listen. Whereas if they have another American comic talking to them, as soon as they use the local references, they shut off. Right. You get an inherent bias, right? Like if somebody comes up to you and you're like pro-Trump mm. and they say, you know, man, Trump sucks because everything after sucks is deleted yeah. as soon as you start with that. But if I come out and I say, you know, this situation is bad because once in Lebanon, this and this happened, there's an interesting way about going in it. That, that's what we do. I mean, perspe- storytelling is storytelling. Mm. The Bible was written <laughs> from yeah. stories in the Middle East, but right. Christians all over the world read it. The same with the Quran and Muslims sure. or the Old Testament. And sto- a good story is a good story. Right. So 
did you get into comedy to become a storyteller? How did you start out as That's a- my style. Okay. I happen to have, like, there are different comics. They have, there are storytelling comics, like, who come right. in and tell their, there are, there are one-liner comics, you know, like, uh, like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's one of my favorites. Rest in peace. Yeah, mm-hmm. rest in peace for sure, where he's like, you know, I wanted to get a candle holder. Right. But I couldn't find one, so I bought a cake. You know, like, that kind of, <laughs> those kind of things. It's just brilliant. And then, and then yeah. as you're laughing, yeah. he goes, he jumps into the next joke, and he's like, I rent a lot of cars, and I leave the emergency handbrake on for about 100, maybe 200 miles. It doesn't say much about my driving, but it doesn't say much about the emergency handbrake either. And then as you're laughing, he jumps. So an escalator can never break down. It just becomes stairs. And then you lie, and it's just like, that's a style. That's amazing. That is incredible. That's great. And then you have other comics that are, you know, observational comics. Sure. Who's like, so why when you're driving, you turn down the volume if you're looking for direction? That's like the cliche Mm -hmm. one. And then there's there's storyteller comics. I, I think I use stories and observation intertwined. Yeah. Because that's just kind of came to me. I mean, that's who I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I like to tell stories, but it, but I and I use it. And I, it's disarming when you involve yourself in the story and other characters in the story. Nobody walks in with a bias. Yeah. And I found that's the best way to get people to actually listen. Yeah. They're listening to your story. It doesn't affect you. Why are you getting worked up? <laughs> you know that that basically is needed now in in, in where we are today. Right. Mm. And did you start out? Um, did you always know you wanted to do comedy though? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, or you, were you just like, did you? No, no, since I was like five. Yeah, because some com- <laughs> like comedians start out at like corporate jobs and they're like, yeah. oh, this sucks. So I'm going to do something completely different. Than no, what no, I always, always be, wanted to be, always wanted to be. I did the corporate job. I did all of it. I mean, you don't yeah. start up at the top. Of course. But um, it was something I always wanted since I was really young. Yeah. Did you I also wanted to be in business. So it was, it was, it was perfect it's for me. It's a good, yeah. Because that's what you need. Yeah. We spend an hour on stage, but years off stage. That's what a lot of people forget about performing. And yeah. art, 95, 99% of your time, more, 99.999% yeah. of your time is spent working on getting people to come see your 0.00001% of your time. Exactly. That's yeah. it. So if you if you think you can get by with just being good. Yeah, mm. you can't. You could for a minute, maybe. Yeah. But you're going to be at the mercy of your managers and agents and their whims. And if they make a wrong decision, I mean, take a look at Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. The Rock, mm-hmm. or anybody who has a, a, a command of their social media platform mm-hmm. and their reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will never be silenced, right? Right? Because right? they they can Kevin Hart can film a film, a movie, and self release it, and yeah. just tweet and Instagram and Facebook about it. Yeah, and it'll be a box office hit. Yeah, going That's, off that point zero 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 one percent thing. I mean, I think a lot of people have a lot of different creative pursuits, right? Maybe other people who want to be comics mm-hmm. or you know. Musicians or poets, exactly. Or yeah, exactly. And like you said, most of your time is off stage. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people maybe they get frustrated quickly, um, and they're like, "Oh, you know, nobody's nobody's coming to my shows." Like, <clears throat> what was your experience with that? Especially now, as someone who's selling out in DC, you were exactly. just telling us it wasn't you know it wasn't even like this last time you were no. here. Well, if you're not up for it and you're going to be easily disappointed, it's not for you. Right. There's there's just no way around it. But on the other hand, you should take solace and comfort in the fact that if it is easy, then you're going to die very quickly. That I, somebody once told me this, that the worst thing that can happen to somebody is success. Hmm. That's the worst thing that can happen. It'll <laughs> sweep the legs out from under you. That's take a look at um, everybody who, who, a one-hit wonder, somebody who just blows up all of a sudden. Come, you don't have the infrastructure. That's like you have one pillar and a building resting on it. It's not going it, to, the, yeah. the slightest wind will knock you out. So if you, you know, I'm, I've, been, I've been doing comedy now for 18 years, 19. Wow. So 
to get me to be unrecognized or to get me to flop, I would literally have to either sexually assault somebody mm. or it, it would need something yeah, of that magnitude. Sure. You know, and it would need something that would totally derail. If you take your time and, it, and, it, and you work it out and you build it up block by block, you end up with a huge following. You end up really becoming as good as your following deserves. You know, if I had, if I did my first show and I happened to luckily choose four or five hysterical sets mm -hmm. that just rang perfectly true mm -hmm. and went super viral all over the world and blew me the fuck up, mm -hmm. that was because I happened to chance upon the right topics at the right time. Come the next show, now everybody's waiting for the next show, you come out with your second show, you actually, but what you had was the right sets, you didn't have the right skills. Mm -hmm. You yeah. come out with the second show, not too good. And then everybody's like, eh, and you disappear, and it's over, yeah. it's gone. So you want to grow at the same pace of your skill set, and I think that that's that that's what you need. And 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 man, there are people out there working nine to five. Nobody starts as a CEO unless their okay. parent right. is the you know like a weird Arab family kind of thing, and they always run the fan. <laughs> they, yeah, they run the business into the ground. It never sure. expands. Yeah. So why are you different just because you're an artist? Why do you think that you need to be discounted from the grind? Right. I mean, there are people who work the nine to five for 15, 20 years to make it, and they might not even make it, but they work and they come in on time and they sacrifice and they lose shit, but then they, but then they make it, right? Mm, right? And when they make it, even if they get fired, they just flip into another job because sure. they get the security of having on their resume the skill and the experience. Don't be a bitch and act like you don't need the skill and the experience. Mm. Get to work, roll up your sleeves, live poor, try to make ends meet, make mistakes, tumble, because once you get to that that high status, it's those experiences that make people want to listen to you because you have some insight to offer. If you just made it, what, look at American Idol or American Talent or, or America's Got Talent or The yeah. Voice. Mm -hmm. All these people who win, they disappear right afterwards. Right. They're, they're, That's true. That's true. They have no, why would I listen to a 17 year old kid tell me about love and he's, you're 17. True. You've never felt lost. Oh, That's fine. You've never felt lost, right? Yeah. You've, you, what experience also, do you have? Also, love is not the answer anyway. Love That's isn't right. the answer, Plug right? In. <laughs> or sing the blue. Like you have these 15 year old kids who are like, oh my God, you hear his voice? He has an old man's soul. And that's true. Their, their yeah, voice is incredible. Yeah. But they have no experience. I can, I would love to hear them sing somebody else's song and that will impress me for a minute. Right. But, but I want to take something away from this person. You're not Stevie Ray Vaughan. You're not going to be able to express yourself in your guitar like somebody who experienced loss like Stevie Ray Vaughan did, unless you experienced sacrifice and loss like Stevie Ray Vaughan. That's well basically said. a bottom line. That's so interesting. That's a great So be happy with your failure because that's going to make you, this, that's the reason you'll be successful. Exactly. No, absolutely. And do you, I think I wanted to bring up something in light of like our society right now. Like mm -hmm. everything is so, uh, people are stepping on eggshells, like not trying to affect yeah, people. It's horrible. All this kind of thing. As a comedian, I know that Chris Rock has touched base on this and like I know, um, I forget. Chappelle. Dave Chappelle yeah. brought it up in his comedy um, special. As a comedian, is it difficult to be funny and just not offend people? I mean like how do you, no. I mean how is that? It's it's easy if you, yeah. if you know whose opinion matters and whose doesn't. Okay. And if you recognize that a, a vocal minority doesn't mean anything, mm. um, at the end of the day, you're a comic. And if you speak your mind and you're true to yourself, that's all you have to worry about. I happen to not, I mean, when it comes to political incorrectness in America, mm -hmm. it's very easy to navigate compared to political correctness in the Middle East yeah. where you could have gotten killed if you said something wrong, sure. right? Mm. 
Now, in the Middle East, in, in Beirut, there is zero political correctness. You can say whatever the hell you want. Oh, okay. And I started to discover as I went around that it was everywhere. <clears throat> Arabs, because they've been subject, subjected to such real-life circumstances, yeah. if you come up in front of an Arab audience and you say something like, like I don't know if I'm going to give an example. If, I, if you say something around along the lines of, Dude, I got slapped by the teacher. Like I had, I, I was. She walked up and she slapped me so hard it raped my soul. Right? Yeah. If you say that yeah. in the Middle East, it's that was a very strong slap. Yeah. If you say it in America, people are like, "That's a rape joke. That's insensitive towards rape victims." Right. Exactly. It comes in. So basically, here in America, what do you do? Slap me so hard, like I lost my soul. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, you take it yeah, out. Right it's not now. the end of the deal. It's not the end of the day. Like right. the end of the thing. If that's the problem, that's how petty political correctness is in America. Yeah. It's petty. Mm. The political correctness here is, is it, okay, that's the word that offends you. Fine, I'll take it out. Can we now continue with the conversation? Exactly, yeah. That's how I feel about it. I do talk about it in my show, but in a bait and switch kind of way. You'll see it right. when you guys mm. see the show. I, I use the fact that I just mentioning the word that we become too politically correct mm -hmm. gets everybody into a frame of mind that I'm about to make a big statement. Sure. And then I bring in Donald Trump and everybody's like, he's about to get political. Right. Then I bring in Muslims and they're like, this is about to get real. Right. And then I drop the punchline and nobody sees it coming because it has nothing to do with any of that. Oh, that's <laughs> and that, that, so I use it to my advantage. Yeah. So in a way it, it does, it's, it's like, you know, anything in life where you're given a set of circumstances, sometimes it gives you a different angle that you can do things and it, it actually makes things better. So for me, I haven't felt too much pressure from it. And at the end of the day, I don't care. Yeah. If somebody comes at me and says they were offended, I say, uh, okay. I don't, I don't really give a shit. Yeah. Yesterday, this girl came up to me after the show and said, you know, I really like the show, but it's just when you start talking about, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but she's like, there yeah. was a couple jokes in there. Yeah. We were discussing, you know, religion and politics and that kind of stuff. I was like, you're literally the only one in the crowd that thought that. Yeah. And actually the first person on the entire tour. And I mean this with all respect, but sure. I, I don't care. You can come to the next show if you want. I'm sorry that this wasn't the show for you, but it's actually all it says is that you're not really smart. There you go. And and that's the truth. It's it, it, cuz exactly. if you get offended at what I'm saying, it means you got offended because it goes against what you believe in. Right. And that's fine. You you need to have an ability to listen to somebody, not agree with them and say, "You know, at least it was nicely formulated arguments." Yeah. So it sounds like even though the environment has become more challenging, it hasn't necessarily become more challenging for you because you've no. had a very principled take. We're on comedians. It. it shouldn't be challenging for us. When I hear comedians sure. nagging about it, I'm like, "You're a comic. Stop nagging." Yeah. Mm. We're supposed to be able to navigate speech right. better than other people. I can understand somebody in corporate America saying this is a disaster because they don't know what they're saying. And then they come out and put a statement and the statement's off. Base, and yeah, yeah, I can understand yeah. them like yeah. fucking. And you know, there's a marketing team. Somebody's getting right. fired. You know, there's a law going. It's context. It's context. But yeah. you're a comic. If you get up and people get offended and you say something, you should be able to work your way out of it with talk. And if you can't, just say you're sorry. Yeah. And then the next time, try again. Right. Mm try again i i had this one experience where i said pussy on stage mm. i said basically i said don't be a pussy yeah and bring it out in the thing and somebody got offended okay. and i happen to know that pussy is not from the word vagina right. pussy comes from the word pusillanimous it was a 14th century term that was used to mean he of great cowardice huh. pussy using for the female reproductive organ actually yeah. comes from that's vagina by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the from the slang term of somebody saying I was beating that pussy up. Right. Right. right? So that's how the, th the thought process w was. And a man who used to get beat up was a pusillanimous. So it, it was that that made it. But the origin mm -hmm. of the word comes from. So now I there work. You go. So now I have it as a joke. 
Now I say, I say, don't be a pussy. And, da, da, da. and then when that punchline drops and everybody laughs, I go, by the way, for the feminists out there, I'm a feminist. Pussy yeah. comes from the word pusillanimous. It's a 14th century. And people start cracking up. <laughs> I'm like, means if he agreed, cowardice, don't take it out on me. I'm not going to end up on CNN tomorrow answering questions <laughs> about has comedy gone too far? No, I'm pretty. You know. So it actually gave me an extra joke. So, you know, nice. you're a comic. Rise to the occasion and, and do better. Sure. Yeah. Um. When you deliver your jokes, and uh, are you talking, like, when you're discussing these topics and mm-hmm. whatever, are you talking directly to young people? Because I know you have people who are older no, that no. come to your I show. No, I talk to everyone. Yeah, because I'm just curious if, like, when you're delivering your jokes, if there it's, like, a social comment, are you trying to change kind of a menta- old, older mentality in regards to, like, being Arab and, like... You know what I'm saying? There's multiple like, goals. Yeah, I'm just curious. Who There's multiple goals. I mean, I, I definitely want people to see. Some people say, do you want to change the image of Arabs? That's too weak and a, 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 a goal. Mm-hmm. That, that you can easily do. Yeah. I, I want to make it so that the Arab perspective becomes indispensable mm-hmm. again. You know, mm-hmm. I so, you know, you take a look at Arabs. They're, they're sometimes very hypocritical mm-hmm. and not logical. They come and they say we were a great people. They come and they say, you know, if you take a look at Lebanese, I'm going to be self-critical of my people. Yeah. And they come up and they try to remind you at every time, we are not Lebanese, we are Phoenician. Like, they try to go back to the yeah. Phoenician. All right, you're like, sure, you're Phoenician, great. Let's take a look at what the Phoenicians were. They were merchants, they were traders. They were the first people to navigate oceans using the stars. Mm-hmm. They were the first people to discover America, as far as we know, before Christopher Columbus by about a thousand years. And they traded sure. with them and they went back. Great. Cool. What does that mean? You want to be those people? Rise. Yeah. to the occasion. The reason Phoenicians were indispensable for their majority of their history was mm-hmm. they brought goods mm-hmm. that people needed. Mm-hmm. They brought perspective. They brought culture and way of life. So I'm trying to bring us back to that because I know that the perspective that I have is incredible because of my life in America yeah. and in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And I found something there that people are missing out on. For me, it's an inherent anger where I'm like you guys are so stupid you're wasting all of this time Mm -hmm. getting into arguments over things that don't matter (laughs) and we could be doing so many cool things and that that and I have kids that are going to come one day into this life Mm -hmm. if I'm lucky enough and I get children and Mm -hmm. when that happens we got to do better you know Mm -hmm. the future is now so either do it or don't and, and that's what I'm going out there so for me it's not the image of Arabs is already changing with my work because the objective is to make the Arab perspective indispensable. Sure. So that's the objective. On the road, a lot of things will happen. But my main objective about all of this isn't to make the Arab perspective uh, indispensable. And it isn't to make the American perspective indispensable. It's to make perspective indispensable. Mm-hmm. The whole point is I want people to, when I die, mm-hmm. I want my legacy to be, when Nimmer did his comedy, every show really reminded us of what we could be. Right. We. Not Arabs, not Americans, not humans. I don't see myself as an Arab and I don't see myself as an American and I don't see myself as an Arab American. Everywhere I travel, no matter which country I go, even if I don't speak the language, Mm -hmm. I feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because I look around and I see everybody as as another, you know, an organism that me and them share traits. And I happen to feel the same kind of um, connection with animals. Like I take a look around, I look at animals and I say, these are all people too. In a way, we're all sharing this space True. Mm-hmm. and I and I do always touch on these things because this is who I am it's what I believe mm-hmm. it's just disappointing when you see so many people who don't I mean you could be having so much fucking fun right now That's true. <laughs> and you, and instead you choose what's that saying the meme all these flavors and you choose salty right like <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like there's so much you could be doing right now, yeah. but you'd rather sit and debate religion, you stupid idiot, in 2018, like that even matters anymore? Exactly. Like the difference between, I talk about that in the shows as well right now, and love isn't the answer. Like you're coming and dividing people up. I have this thing that I say now that people really like, which is, you know, unless you see the show, you won't see it, but I say, you know, if you, if you believe in God, if sure. you believe in God, the hypocrisy and the suspension of logic that religious people have, mm -hmm. the majority of it, is insane to me. And I don't mean about the proof of God or anything like that. I mean, very simply, if you believe God exists and you believe that God created everything, if that's what you say, yeah. then he created the earth, which is a globe, which is circular. Mm -hmm. Then he created gravity, which he put at the center of the globe. Mm -hmm. And then he, it's pulling us all together, literally, that the purpose of it is to constantly pull us towards the center. Yeah. But then you use his name to divide us against his own creations. What the fuck are you doing? Right. That's if you believe in God. And if you don't believe in God, well, then you believe in evolution. Then you know that we should be helping each other out to evolve as quickly as possible. To bring up the least common denominator because we're only as strong as our weakest link. Of course. If you bring logic into the game, everything solves. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how you look at it, it's the same. There's no, there is no argument in any angle mm -hmm. that, that serves to separate black from white. Asian from Caucasian, right. European from Arab. There is no argument. There is none. There is none. Back in the day when we were all isolated, if if we could, the dream was like, if I could go trade with people, I could learn from them. I could do that. Right. And then when we, we, we opened those channels up, suddenly we're like, no, fuck those people. Mm. We're better. Yeah. Those black fuckers, those white Arab motherfuckers. What yeah. kind of, what stupidity? Mm. How, why were our ancestors so much more intelligent while also having their own kind of stupid things? We can do better. We can do better. Yeah. Do you think it's a societal thing? Like, is it just us now? Or it's society being caught up in something, something that they still haven't recovered from, which is media. We're not used to the fact that, not the fake news. Yeah. It's, it's not fake news. Yeah. It's news in general. It's right. for ratings. It's a business. Yeah. And people seem to want forget that the business wants to make money. They're not going to make money if they come up and they say, hey, you know, it was a good day today. Mm -hmm. And people got along. And some progress was made in these communities. Yeah. They don't and then who gives a shit? They need a 24-hour news cycle. For fucking eight hours, they're going to keep repeating the same thing over and, and over to you. It's all breaking, baby. It, it is all breaking. All breaking. breaking on and Fox yeah. News is pure propaganda. CNN is bringing 18 analysts to discuss a topic in the six minutes. Yeah. And everybody's talking over each other. And that's supposed to give you perspective? Exactly. No. This isn't ESPN. Exactly. This isn't the hot minute. This is news. And right. humanity is caught in between that because emotions are taking over. Mm. If you can take away your emotions and your biases, which takes time, mm -hmm. you can't switch it off, you know? And, and it took time for me, it takes time for everyone to look at somebody and say, no, 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 wait, no, okay, I'm, just, I'm gonna, just to take away, because you, you're pre-programmed by your parents with, these, with their biases. Mm. Right. So deconstruct that first, and then to have experience living without those takes time as well, but it's worth it. You, you live, you, you experience stuff nobody would ever imagine. Right. So what is the relationship between this very serious, mature, educated perspective on life and your comedy. I mean, were you kind of always a funny guy who slowly started thinking about these things and said, I want to deliver this message and I have a great tool for it because I'm a funny mm -hmm. guy? Or you know, was, it the, was it the other way around where you felt very passionate about this? 
um, and then you're like, oh, how could I? Maybe I could consider comedy. It was it was hand in hand. I mean, I think my whole life, I've always looked. I've always been in situations like two kids would be fighting. I'm like, what? What? Do you, we could be playing baseball. Right. It's always like literally ever since I was a kid in the U.S. It always used to be like, why are we wasting time? Mm. Yeah. Because of some fucking Pokemon card, just give them the card <laughs> and let's go play a video game. Do yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, I get it. Emotions run high when the Pokemon cards get involved. Yes. But can we settle this? Because I have the new Mega Man game at my home. Yeah. And we could, I've always Sick. been, it's always, the, the main thing is I've always been like, we could be having so much fun. Right. And I don't know why people who've experienced fun don't realize how much fun fun can be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we could have such a good time. Yeah. All these flavors and you choose salty. salty. That literally is the best quote I've ever heard. Like, you could do so many things, yet you're on the internet arguing about white supremacy. What are you, why are you so stupid? Yeah. You're all the white supremacists that I see. Yeah are overweight, they're fat, they have diabetes, they're not, you are not the Aryan race. There is no argument for you there. You take a look at Nazi Germany, these people were clean cut, they were at least trying to back up. You wanna be a white supremacist? Go to the gym, do your shit, take care of yourself, because I want them to do that. Yeah. Because once they do, yeah. and they go online and they start looking for tips, they're gonna start getting yeah. videos from Latino trainers, and, and then they're gonna realize oh, that hey. it's not about white people training me, it's about getting the best training possible to make my perfect Aryan body. And when they get their perfect Aryan body, they're going to realize that they're just as perfect as the black body <laughs> and the Asian body, and hopefully that deprograms those idiots. Well, you but go. you could be having so much fun, and yet you're online arguing about Donald Trump like he gives a shit about you or Hillary Clinton or these yeah. are politicians. Can right. we for a second remember the role of everybody in society? Politicians serve themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And they serve you as much as they need to to get be able to serve themselves. Exactly. Definition, fact, move that aside. JFK is considered a great president probably because he was assassinated before people could form a negative opinion on him. Good for him. Right. But that's the bottom line. This is truth. These are facts. Politicians are fucked pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Gandhi wasn't a politician. Gandhi was a revolutionary of the people, so he served the people. This is life. Don't forget it and don't get caught up in it. And no, Trump is not going to be a savior. He's a construction working billionaire. For Christ, this is a billionaire who worked in construction yeah. in New York City. If you go to New York or you go to any construction site in the world or you meet any billionaire, none of these three people are good people. Exactly. Combining them is not going to make them any better. Any better. Yeah. And I'm not saying New Yorkers are bad people, but New Yorkers are jerks. They jikes. That's what they're known for, right? <laughs> and a New Yorker, what does he want? He wants a good slice of pizza. He wants to get by. Right. You're not going to find a New Yorker fighting for the average Joe. On average. Sure. And definitely not one in construction. And definitely not a white billionaire. Mm. With elevators that have gold in them, you think he's going to look out for the worker in Kansas? <laughs> and no, Hillary Clinton isn't the answer either. And nobody's the answer. You're sure. the answer. Take care of those around you and do a better job and hope for the best from the politicians. Use your pressure however you can. That's it. Exactly. Is but, that hard sometimes? Yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, these are they are serious and substantive topics. And yeah. They do. You know, we're, we're all getting riled up talking about it. Mm -hmm. Is it hard sometimes when... You spend so many times making jokes about these things when you know the world is still fucked in a lot of ways. When when the show is done, no, because it's not because kind of because I just started and I'm seeing progress. Okay, That's and great. you know, so it, it, I am seeing the change. Mm. The thing is, these things have been around for centuries. So if you come in and you're like, I did a show and everybody laughed, but it's still the same, and you you get discouraged once again. <laughs> You know, this is a lifetime commitment that my children need to carry on and their children and their children and their children to
to hopefully succeed. Mm. That's basically what it is. Mm. But you got to really program your life as if you really want this or not, you know? Mm. And if you do, it'll happen. Just, you know, it, it, once again, I want to have fun doing it. Okay. And I know if you have fun doing it, you'll actually do it better. You know what I'm saying? And I don't talk about these things in the show. I disguise them. Yeah. yeah. So I'll never say what I just told you. I'll never be like, Trump is a right. white construction working guy and Hillary is definitely not the answer right. either. Why would I say that? But I'll have jokes anecdotes. that involve anecdotes that involve, you know, older rich people. Or I'll have anecdotes that involve old generation versus new generation. And you'll walk away understanding. Hmm. Yeah. I have sentences in my show where I'm talking about... Um, you know, children and how quickly they were able to change their opinion on something. And then I'll just slip in a sentence and says, which you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of yours. That's why you should be ashamed of yourselves if you let your kids carry on your hate because children are the only thing that change quickly and yeah. you should understand that whatever you hate should be what they love. And then I move on with the show. It's a quick sentence. You're, you're hiding, you're planting the seeds. You're just throwing them in there yeah. and moving on. Yeah. And, and you're trusting your fellow human being right. that we have an inclination to wanting to be happy. And um, it'll filter through, even if it takes more time. Just don't don't get don't get worked up about it. Sure. Well, I wanted to bring up something. I was watching your Showtime special, and I think you brought up an interesting point about something that I'm, I'm kind of passionate about as well. So, you say you're you're Arab Christian, is that right? Are you yeah. raised Arab Christian? Okay. Lebanese Christian. Yeah. yeah. So same here. I'm, okay. I'm also Arab Christian, and I think sometimes <clears throat> we have to call out our community sometimes um, in regards to how our community reacts to the Muslim community? Like, mm -hmm. do you think, because I feel like sometimes Arab Christians can come across as very elitist and mm -hmm. they don't like to associate sometimes with mm -hmm. the Muslim community, but we're all Arabs at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So how do we get those people, like how do we unify have, have our you, communities? Have you spent more time in the Middle East or out of the Middle East? Me? Yeah. Um, out of the Middle East. Okay. But I've been to the Middle East, but. True. You know, but. This is a problem that happens out of the Middle East. I feel like it is too. It's mainly Arabs Americans. in America yeah, are literally the least common denominator. Yeah, it's mm. bullshit. Right? And I'm not talking about our yeah. generation. Our generation happens to have a lot of good elements I in think it. So too. There's like the Lebanese Collegiate Network. Mm -hmm. They're doing amazing work. They're bringing people together. They're outstanding citizens. Right. The problem is the majority of the Arabs left during civil war and war and everything from the Middle East. Persians left during you know Khomeini and all that stuff mm -hmm. in Iran. Uh, Lebanese left during the civil war, Kuwaitis left during the Iraqi Kuwait. Everybody left under s situations of duress and sure. they carried with them that time zone. Mm. You meet Lebanese Christians today, they're basically Lebanese Christians of the 1970s. Mm. You meet Lebanese, uh, you meet uh, Palestinians today. Yeah, that's like they're, you're Palestinian. I'm Palestinian. Palestinian mm. Christians today, you, you're going to meet the Palestinian Christians of the 1960s, 40s. Right, right. Uh, uh, Palestinian Muslims, the same thing. Sure. The kids are only knowing what the parents are telling them. Mm -hmm. It gets distilled from generation mm -hmm. to generation, but you go to Lebanon and it's so progressive. That's amazing. My wife, I'm getting married soon, yeah. is Muslim. That's amazing. In Lebanon, not a, yeah, thank congratulations. You. In Lebanon, not a problem. <laughs> yeah. We had a huge party, everybody came. I talk about this in the show. Oh, great. I talk about it a lot, yeah. but in a very funny way. But it wasn't until I came to America that I realized it was a problem. I, I didn't realize, in, Amer in Lebanon, nobody gives a shit because everybody goes out and parties and has a good time. If you're Muslim or Christian or Jewish in Lebanon, right. you have slow internet, you get stuck in the same traffic and the electricity doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. There is no religion that's superior. And trust me, if the Muslims had better internet, I would be the first to switch. Right. I'd be like, let's follow, <laughs> Allahu Akbar, here we go. Do you get what I'm saying? For me, we've, we've come to the realization that religion isn't who, what identifies you. Right. It's... 
your attitude towards your faith. Mm-hmm. That is one aspect of what identifies you. It's not that I'm Christian. It's how I practice my Christianity, right? Sure, it's because it's your actions. Yeah. You come out here to the, to the U.S. and I'm like, holy shit, let's roll up our sleeves. We got a lot of work to do here. Right. So your question is an excellent one. Yeah. I'm very disappointed in the majority of the Arab Christians that I see here. Yeah. Very disappointed. Um, but I'm also very inspired by the young Arab Christians that I see here because right. they're fucking awesome. Mm. Yeah. And I'm very inspired by how eager many leaders of the Arab Christian community respond to what I'm saying and jump on board. And I'm also inspired by the very few who don't. And I enjoy destroying them. I really do. I enjoy (laughs) taking, oh, I really do. I I really do. I mean, I don't want to name names. I don't want to put things out there. But behind the scenes, I've been working very actively to shut many people down completely. And because so many people come to my shows, when you're selling out thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets all over and a lot of the people who are coming are the Arab communities when a religious figure shows up for free and he or she draws in one fiftieth of what I'm drawing in if I pick up the phone and I call you and I say listen either do this Mm -hmm. or I'm going to publicly say you're a hate group it's going to make a change Mm -hmm. and I'm not the only one doing this there are other people just with not as big a voice as mine is and I'm only starting so my always objective overall objective is to make the Christian perspective indispensable yeah. We're not better as no. Arab Christians because because yeah. we're better. We're better as Arab Christians when we serve others. Exactly. Just like Muslim Christians are uh, Muslim, uh, Muslim Arabs. Arabs. No, Muslim, Muslim Arabs are better when they serve others. We <laughs> all suck yeah. when we serve ourselves. Exactly. What's the point? Exactly. What's the point of having an amazingly amazing Christian community that only serves itself? Exactly. If you delete them, nothing changes. Same thing for Muslims, same thing for Jews. Yeah. But if you have a, a Christian community that is strong, brings people together like the community that I met in Oklahoma, yeah. or the community that I met in Boston, or the community that I met in many other states, mm-hmm. where you see Muslims and Christians and Jews going to the same events, yeah, and these that. same Christians going to the Muslim events, and yeah. the Jews, because they're fun events, yeah. right. then fun. you can't imagine a life without the Christian or the Muslim or the right. Jew. And, and then you start to see them not as a Christian or a Muslim as a Jew, yeah. but you start to see them as a friend. Yeah. yeah. Because we need to reverse our identity mm-hmm. from religion first to nationality second to our actions third to the total opposite. Right. Actions first, nationality second, religion third. And ideally, actions and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Ideally, that's all it is. I think you're hitting on something really important that I've, I've always lamented, which is... <clears throat> the role of identity in yeah. our existence. We and don't have one. Yeah, sometimes it's religion, sometimes it's nationality, sometimes yeah, it's like you where choose? you went to high school. I mean, sometimes I meet yeah. people and they're like, oh, you went to the same high school as me, awesome! Yeah. And like, you guys are best. Go Timberwolves! Some asshole cuts you off in traffic and he's got a Timberwolves bumper sticker. <laughs> <"Hey, laughs> it's so stupid. It is. Because if you really want to serve your identity, you should serve everybody and that's when your identity, like, exactly what you're saying. That's your identity. Exactly. You should your identity is in your service. Yeah. Who is Jesus as a Christian? Who is Muhammad as a Christian? I ask that question yeah. to any Muslim person. Who, define Muhammad to me? Yeah. The yeah. Prophet Muhammad, right? right? Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What are you? What are you going to? How are you going to define him? He was five foot eight, 
had jet black hair. No, you say he was a guy who didn't know how to read, didn't have education, was able to write the the, the Quran, right? And teach everybody, everyone. He was a person who united. You speak of their actions. Who was Gandhi? You speak of the hunger strikes, the action. You don't talk like he was a bald dude who wore glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's a description. That's not who they are. So why are we living in a society where I walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Christian? Exactly. No, you, unless your name is Christian, <laughs> you should be like, hi, I'm Nimmer. Yeah. And if somebody asks you what religion are you, you'd be like, well, that's fucking weird to ask somebody on a friend. Like, Why don't you ask me out for a drink first or something? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, That's it's a, a personal deep. flavors. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And the day that you value your religion above yourself, it means the day you're valuing an institution. Mm-hmm. You value an institution. Well, I have news for you. Guess who was anti-institution? Jesus. Jesus, Muhammad, Moses, yeah. and Gandhi, and everybody. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Pick up the book. It's there and read it, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Just read it. Absolutely. Protestantism happened because you couldn't read the Bible. <laughs> now you can read the Bible, and you're an idiot. Right. So deal with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, look, I'm unapologetic about that stuff. Yeah. The same. I yeah, am the biggest voice right now out of the Middle East, coming from the Middle East to right. the U.S. Why? <clears throat> because I'm Christian? No. Because I'm funny? No. Because Arabs, all of them, have allowed me my voice. They've championed me. Not the Christian Arabs, not the Muslim Arabs, not the Jewish Arabs. Everybody goes to the Nimr show. They bring up the numbers. They made people take notice. I am a living example of what happens when Arabs work together. And then now that I'm in America and Americans are coming out to my show, all I am is a living example of what happens when people come together Mm. and that is all it is my success isn't because i'm great my success is because the people who come to my shows are great i happen to be lucky enough that they liked me and chose me as to champion me they're allowing me that platform Mm. but if arabs abandoned me i would not be here Mm. if i had like i could do what 500 people in a club in the middle of some (laughs) weird obscure village in (laughs) lebanon i'm not going to be able to make it worldwide it's because i had footage when i would go to a meeting and i was on the cover of rolling stone magazine middle east and i came here Mm. and i walked into a meeting they're like you're on the it meant something yeah it's amazing it meant something it opened up doors for me Mm. wasn't because of my looks or because i'm christian or because it's because of that and the guy who put me on the cover of rolling stone magazine i have no idea if he was christian or i don't know i don't know yeah I know the photographer was British and I know my sister took the picture because his picture sucked and he told me we should go with your sister's pictures and that's the bottom line. That's the story I have. There was no like I made it because you know like Arabs who get the awards and shit when they go to the ceremonies mm-hmm. and you get these people. I'm, I look at these award ceremonies I'm like who is that? I don't know this person. What have they done? Yeah. They have a nice voice or they, they look hot in a bikini but I right. don't understand how what have wh- who yeah. why it's just because they fucked somebody and got something and that's how it is well there you go leave that yeah. society alone yeah. let them have their fun they're gonna be dead soon we're the future right. we do things our way absolutely hmm. well I think that's all I have Amr do you have any other questions mm-hmm. Nimmer this it's was nice. amazing this, I, yeah, like, this was fun man we had a good time so thank much. you we had a great time and thank you again and Thanks for your support, by the way, for the show. Oh I mean, gosh. we did. We're selling out six shows. See? You guys really supported. Oh my gosh! So that's awesome. you know that's yeah. a big reason why a big big reason why a lot of our community is coming out to these shows. Right. So thank you. We're happy to do it, and you know, support. You have to support your fellow Arabs, regardless of their. We're, we're just talking about this, regardless of their religion or right. whatever. We're all well. Here. Now you know that I'm this guy, but imagine we had this podcast and I was sitting there and going, you know, these Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about these bastards. You guys would be like, what the I'd fuck? Be like, oh yeah. my God, what, what have we done? So I'm, I'm really <laughs> thanking you because you guys gave me, you allowed me to share your platform. Yeah. It means a lot to me and I don't take that for granted. Oh my gosh, well, it was our pleasure and we enjoyed it. Yeah, we really did. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you all so and, much. And, uh, and, and I love your uh, microphone. Oh, thank you. Our microphone thank is you. really low budget. No, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm looking at the, no, mine is very expensive, but you're getting the exact same results. I'm looking at the screen this whole time and I'm like, man, it's that Amazon they have like line. a USB mic and I paid so much for this and this is not even close to what like, so maybe 5% better. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Whatever, not true. No, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will... Touch base, I guess, on the yeah. next episode. Oh, and, and head to nimmercomedy.com yes. to get tickets for the rest of the tour. Absolutely. Yeah. Nimmer, what are the some of the other places you're hitting? Just so oh, I'm, I'm going to be all over. We've done a bunch of shows, so if I didn't mention your city, we probably were already there. Yeah. But um, uh, there's D.C. now, then New York, then um, I can actually run through it really quick. There's D.C., New York, Boston, Buffalo, um, Irvine, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Nashville, Kansas City, uh, uh, Minneapolis, Overseas, uh, Sacramento, and then Tampa. <laughs> and uh, actually, there's a lot. There's it's, a lot. Basically, we did about 40 American cities in total. That's Absolutely. amazing. That's it goes amazing. on and on and on and on. All of them. Like I can keep going on. We did Utah. We've done. My goodness. We've done Nashville. There's Great. weird, weird places, but everybody's coming out. <laughs> All right, that's Everybody, and of course, uh, Europe, London, Paris, Germany, yeah. and um, the Middle East, obviously, cool. always. Fantastic. It's all nimmercomedy.com. All nimmercomedy.com. Nimmer spelled N-E-M-R. Yeah. Check and, it out. And don't forget to check out his Showtime special. Yes. No it, bombing in Beirut. It's hysterical, and it's on demand, just in case everybody wants to. Yeah. <laughs> Letting you know. Everybody's like, well, how can I download They're it? They're like, what is demand? How can I download? <laughs> I don't know. Showtime? <laughs> uh, what? No. Showtime? How do I download it? You can't, you can't, I'm never going to say this because you shouldn't ever say it publicly, but you can torrent it. Well, there you go. You okay. know? We I didn't, I didn't say up. that. I'm just saying what I wouldn't say. Right. right. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're not going to hold yeah. you to it. <laughs> 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 See you guys next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>